Maybe that's a feeling of agitation caused by the presence or imminence of danger. Why do you think people believe in ghosts? gentlemen and welcome back to another frightening uh podcast here where we have animal uh, the uh, the second to last uh in our discussion uh, 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 period of animal let's say it together everyone welcome back to animal april animal april animal really april. Okay, so um, I'm going to hand over the mic to, uh, to our special lady in the group. Uh, Katie, why, uh, why don't you tell us what the movie is all about? And what hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of Inside Movies Galore. Uh, I'm your host tonight, Katie Cadaver, and I'm joined by David, Brandon, Jake, and Dustin. Hey, guys. Hello. Uh, hey, all. Hey. So tonight we're doing another Stephen King adaptation. Uh, this one's not a Stanley Kubrick, so hopefully we won't have to <laughs> have a two-hour episode on this one. But we're going to be talking about Louis Teague's 1983 film, Cujo. 
Um, a tale of a killer canine set in the fictional town of Castle Rock, Maine, as Stephen King often does. And when sweet St. Bernard Cujo is bitten by a bat, he starts behaving oddly and becomes very aggressive. As Cujo morphs into a dangerous beast, he goes on a rampage. Stay-at-home mom Donna gets caught in Cujo's crosshairs on a faithful errand with her young son. Stuck in their Ford Pinto, Donna and her child have a frightening showdown with the crazed dog. So I'll give the spoiler warning. Spoiler alert, we're going to talk about all the things. If you haven't seen this movie from 1983, you should really get on it because it's a good one. So I have seen it. This is a rewatch for me. And as I've talked about before in the podcast, um, I saw a lot of horror films, a lot of the Stephen King adaptations too, because my mom was a big King fan. She read all of his books back in those days. And so when a movie came out, she always had to see it. And my parents kind of had this thing where like, if a movie was on TV, it must be okay for kids. So I saw a lot of this stuff (laughs) as a young kid, probably too young for it. Um, And Cujo was, I think, probably one of the first ones um, that I saw. So I haven't sat down and watched it start to finish and I couldn't tell you. So it was nice to be able to actually sit down and do it. It's one of those films, like every time it would be on TV growing up, I would stop and watch it or whatever, but to actually, um, purposefully watch it, it's been a long time. So I was happy to revisit it. And, um, I really, I remember as a kid, my mom really relating to the mom in this film, uh, particularly during the climax, you know, where she's in the car with her son. And I never quite, it, to me, I was more, I'm more related to the kid, like the fear of the dog. Um, but I totally now relate to the mom. So in, in such a, a deep way, because my kid was actually bit by a dog. So like, I have a few horror movie triggers and like mother parent child struggle dynamic is a trigger for me um and this is like the perfect setup to trigger the shit out of me because my kid was actually bit by a dog so um i totally understand like what my mom talked about and being so on the edge of her seat um for this one so there's very few older horror movies that can do that to me that can really put me there but kujo does that for me especially because it plays on my sensibilities as a mom um and it didn't it didn't have that impact on me as a younger kid i was just afraid of the dog and that was it um but i i really enjoyed paying attention to the cinematography this time around and uh, and really being um careful about what i was looking at during this this rewatch so it was um it was a fun experience for me and i'm glad i had a chance to watch it again so how about you dustin tell us about if this was a rewatch for you or a first time watch. So it's a mildly long story. So um, the director of this was Louis Teague and Louis Teague did probably my favorite monster movie of all time, uh, Alligator. So I kept expecting it to be like fun, like Alligator. Um, And I've been meaning to see it for many years. And honestly, it kind of let me down a bit. Um, like the first, uh, the first half of the movie or so is pretty slow, uh, and so I was kind of starting to. I think I actually paused it and took like a two-hour nap. Uh, uh, but then when the action actually starts, like with the dog coming after people, like it gets it gets pretty good. So uh, I thought it was okay, but it didn't blow me away. Like I don't have a uh, I don't have a deep story with it. Uh, well, shame on you. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd like to hear what Brandon has to say about this one. Well, uh, I first saw Cujo at age six. And uh, I had, not long prior to that, probably about a month prior, had been attacked by a dog uh, of my great-aunt's. Uh, that was, uh, was a little leaner dog, but you know, when you're like around five, it's still a pretty vicious dog. And it torn a piece of my uh, scalp, actually. Oh. At the time. Living, quite, living a, smile, a small scar to this day. Uh, so then I got to see Cujo, you know, about a couple months later. Um, okay. Which didn't sit very well with me as a child. Um, Can't uh, imagine why. 
I sometimes thought my father liked to subject me to movies that would make me uh, scared for the rest of my life. Uh, and I'll admit, uh, it was because of that in The Shining that I was turned off to horror movies until I was in college. Wow. Um, but I've carried pretty much a dislike for the film for many years, and uh, watching it this time... I really wasn't that scared of the one jump scare, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, it really, I don't know. There's something about the film that just turns me off. Uh, just overall, I wasn't very impressed by it. And as a Stephen King fan, that's saying something. Because <laughs> huh. I like the Nightflyer movie. Oh, Nightflyer is awesome. <laughs> well, interesting. I'm curious what Dave's take is on it. Well, I saw this when I was very young, too. And it's not that I was attacked by uh, uh, someone. A very uh, a, a very cool dog that, that I knew by the name of Macho uh, was my grandmother's Rottweiler. And he had the sweetest personality. Um, and the first time my cousins from Colorado came over to, uh, uh, to you know, visit... Uh, of course, my young, uh, uh, my oldest cousin Tara ended up leaning down bes uh, uh, on the last day of their fucking visit, and uh, and was like, "Oh, he's not so bad." And all of a sudden, he just bit her entire face completely, uh, uh, like uh, ripped it like completely off, and we had to put him down. Oh my god! Oh wow! Ooh. Your cousin got her face ripped off. Yes. Jesus. So that escalated um, very. It got dark quickly. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um. So um, I wasn't there to see it, but hearing it from second hand um, was also pretty intense too. So uh, so when I saw this, those feelings were int intense, and I uh, and this was around the time when. Horror movies still made me jump, uh, jump, and it's not that I hated this movie. I actually fucking loved it afterwards for some reason. <laughs> um, uh, but and, but it wasn't until later that I, I had actually seen it with my fiance that uh, that I actually realized what exactly was going on with the uh, with the slow drama that was going on. So uh, uh, and seeing it this time around. I saw a little bit more. Uh, 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 I mean, did anyone notice the Jaws reference? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> Jay, so, I, don't, I was laughing my ass off when, that, uh, when the kid, uh, kid yeah. did, did that uh, to the father, so. <laughs> I want to hear what Jake has to say. Well, as we uh, noted with the Jaws one, that was a PG movie, so this kid had probably seen it a couple times. <laughs> Which, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, this was definitely my first viewing. This is one of those ones that I think everyone knows by name. You know, it's got that reputation, not always the best, but it's definitely got it, the name recognition, the reputation. And I've been wanting to see it. I've been wanting to read it. I just never really got around to it. But also, I kind of didn't want to because I don't have any firsthand trauma with dogs, luckily. Um, I've had a couple times where they made me very nervous. Um, I've had a few times where they annoyed the crap out of me. But um, I generally have uh, not really had that firsthand trauma. But I've had dreams about being trapped in a car with a dog and or you know one on the outside and so i i felt like this might trigger that which is kind of strange but that's you know uh but and i don't know if this somehow the knowledge of the movie triggered the dreams in the first place i don't know um but when i finally saw it it's a good movie it does do a good job of ratcheting up the tension and there are a couple of effective jump scares, one in particular. But overall, it just, uh, I saw it. You know, I didn't honestly have any strong feelings one way or the other. You know what I mean? So That's fair. 
It's interesting. Um, I'm glad I saw it. Um, I don't think I'll be able to remember it all that well a few years from now, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's fair enough. I'm actually kind of surprised because uh, I think in the horror community, this one's pretty highly regarded by most people, I think. Um, and it, it is a household not, name. And believe it or not, at the time that this was, uh, came out, it was not, it, it had mixed reviews. It, on the one hand, it was actually, um, <laughs> it, it, it was very critiqued, uh, I mean, by several different uh, people. Um, in fact, in fact, in a, mo a moment here, uh, I'll let you, uh, I'll let you move on. But I'll, I'll see if I can look up a couple of really bad critiques. Uh, well, I think we have kind of a mixed bag here tonight. It's sort of funny to point that out because um, I watched the extra. I I got to see all the extras on the Blu-ray that I had for this, and apparently, like. People used to ask Stephen King, it's like, you know, if you could rewrite any one of your books, um, like, what's the one that you're not happy with? Um, his answer was Cujo. Because he doesn't remember it. <laughs> he doesn't remember writing it. Well, yeah, so I read this comment, this might be what you're talking about, Dustin. I read the comment that he didn't like that he killed off the boy in the book. And yeah, that was, that was mostly the, it. That was one of the reasons why he survives here, yeah. King likes to have happy endings to most of his stories, or at least reasonable ones. Of course, writing anything in a drug-filled, drunken haze uh, where you can't even remember what you wrote, there's probably going to be a couple of things wrong. <laughs> well, I thought the, the film did a good job. I mean, I never read the book. Um, but I thought our film did a decent job of getting the point across. Um, the beginning... Just was a little bit slow with that affair subplot, but I think um, that sort of, I don't know, for me, it sort of ratchets up the, the humanity of our characters a little bit more. I mostly, of course, relate to Donna because I'm, you know, a person that is, could be in that, her position very easily. So that one was easy for me. And see, even that that affair storyline and of course our bigger storyline of the vicious dog um but overall the plot's a pretty a pretty simple one and i think they probably trimmed the fat a bit from the book that i never read <laughs> yeah it was they said that it was initially like really long and they had to cut like a lot of stuff from the script sure well you know, one of the things that they had cut from uh, uh, uh either cut from the script or moved somewhere different is that uh, that uh, in, in the in the book, um, here's one point that, uh, that I'll uh, uh, I'll point out: uh, Sharp Serial, which employs Vic, the father, ha has had a scare with kids getting sick, and this happened prior to the story happening. This is the reason Vic is leaving town to keep the account. But in the movie, the incident happens during the movie. Hmm. Did I? Uh... So did I understand that correctly? That basically the cereal was so full of red dye that people were thinking that they were <laughs> bleeding from. <laughs> yes, I believe that was the. I like the idea. that. Was, that <laughs> that was a subplot that was going on in the background. Yes. <laughs> uh, that's the thing. The, uh, the plot. Uh, uh, it has several plots uh, uh, leading up to what eventually happens. You know, you've, you've got, on the one hand, you've got the uh, the affair that is happening. On the other hand, you've got the father that, uh, that se uh, seems to have more business meetings than home time, you know? So. And from what I understand, um, in, as far as... Cujo is concerned. I mean, in the film, he gets bit by a bat as he's chasing a rabbit down a hole or something. Um, and that kind of explains his turn to this rabbit beast. Um, but I guess in the book, from what I understand, there's a little bit more of a supernatural or evil force at work. And it is tied in with some of King's other works, like some of the same characters and some um, 
plot lines that sort of carry through. Yes, yeah, this is considered an indirect sequel to The Dead Zone, and the yes. sheriff that's in this one appeared in The Dead Zone. And also, this, as we said before, is set in Castle Rock. This is apparently his first film set in Castle Rock, and there have been, what, a half dozen since then? And I think there's a series now, isn't there, called Castle Rock? Oh, yeah. There's a, yeah. It's a, I think it's a Hulu series, and everybody says it's awesome. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Uh, and they say that the sh that the killer from the dead zone supposedly is possessing the dog. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not just rabies; it's it's kill it's killer rabies, like extra killer rabies. Spins rabies, rabies. very serious. I mean, I've, I've never <laughs> been around a rabid dog, but um, yeah, he's pretty aggressive. He's pretty evil, um, and he's our main character in this film. Um, well, along with what? some other less furry characters. Well, what, what type of dog is the dog? A uh, dog Cujo. The same Bernard. They say it in the movie. Mm -hmm. Or yeah. a Rottweiler, or a man in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> From what I understand, they had five dogs and one mechanical dog, and then a man in a suit. So. <laughs> uh, but I think that falls more under our special effects discussion, so we can talk about that a bit right. more later. But one one quick thing as well, before we leave plot, we haven't mentioned one of the most. Sorry, I cut myself off. One of the most important oh. plot devices is the uh, the fact that they're having serious car trouble, and that's the whole reason yes. they end out at the farm in the first place. Well, yeah, yeah. first it's his car, then it's her car, so. Uh, by the time they uh, uh, now they have they moved to this house just recently? Oh, uh, I don't think so. Okay. Well, the, the, the reason she's is where she is is because that's the mechanic's house, and so she's taken the car there to get worked on. And of course, by the time she gets there, the guy whose name is escaping me right now is already dead. You know, mm -hmm. she took care of him. So, yeah, so she's stranded, basically running this errand. And there's all these, um, you know, things that could have saved her that didn't. Like, the mailman doesn't show up with the mail because, oh, they're on vacation. Hold the mail or whatever. And, you know, there's all these little, we're like, so close. But no, yes, the, the, the mechanic's wife and child are out of town. So, the, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they won the lottery. And that, like, bumbling cop, it's like, oh, I'll go check on it. Oh, whoops. <laughs> Wrecked. Terrible oh, cop. That's sad. <laughs> oh, I better call this in. Oh, maybe I'll just wander off over here instead of, you know, asking for backup. Well, yeah, I mean, all of these opportunities lost, you know, um, and that really ramps up the anxiety of that whole second half of the movie where you know, our wonderful D. Wallace, Donna, is <laughs> trapped in this car, like, eventually running out of options as her son is, like, seizing next to her. Ugh. So suspenseful. So, lots of great, um, I don't know, uh, what you call those plot devices that uh, keep things suspenseful, but yet keep it moving. Well, ultimately, it comes down to, uh, 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 to a woman who has to save her child, and uh, 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 not ju you know, not just from the dog, but to save his life. I right. mean, uh, that's that's the ultimate goal. Uh, goal here, okay? Yeah, okay. Her. Uh, 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 her, 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 her husband are having troubles. Uh, is, she doesn't know whether she's going to speak to him again. But once she gets into the situation, every single time she tries to get out of the car, Cujo is there, in her face. There. And, you know, and there's no escape. And, and, and suddenly she comes to a realization like, uh, oh my well, God. eventually that, that uh, you know, it kicks in that she has to make a decision. Her son is not going to survive this. She has to go for that, for the house, for the phone, for the baseball bat, whatever. She's got to try something. She's out of options. She eventually gets to that point. And, you know, we sort of watch her make that transition. 
I think she's probably my favorite character in the whole movie. Um, I really enjoyed uh, Dee Wallace as Donna in this this one. It might actually be one of her her best movies, I think, or her be- one of her best roles. I thought she did a great job. I'm interested what you guys think since you didn't care for the movie all that much. I think she did do a good job. Uh, she did a pretty good job. She starts off kind of slow, but yeah, by the time you get to the end, I think she did a fine job. Yeah, I mean, personally, I think that she did an excellent job acting out the part. But again, um, I relate to that. So, yeah, I mean, again, nothing against that. Uh, I just don't care for the movie as total. I think some of the acting jobs sure. were actually pretty decent. Uh, considering a lot of these were TV fame actors and actresses. Like, I thought she was really good, like, in the role. Uh, I didn't really like her character all that much, though. Like, that was, a, that was the thing with this movie. It was just full of unlikable characters. Like, I didn't really mind, you know, seeing these people die. Like, it, it didn't bother me. <laughs> like, everybody kind of sucked in this movie. Well, the ones that actually died, I didn't miss at all. Yeah, that's true. I guess I would say the same thing. And it's kind of interesting, like, I I wouldn't say that I loved any character a lot, but I most related to Donna. So it was like, it was more of a visceral experience for me, not where I was like, oh, I'm emotionally invested in her character. It's like, they did a really good job, the writing and the... I felt that um, that emotion was really carried through where on myself you know it tugged at me in the way that only something that was pretty accurate could do i guess it tugged at me as well especially um i'm glad that you mentioned cinematographer earlier because there's a moment where she's just been dazed from coming back in from being attacked by cujo and the camera spins around and around while the kid is uh, screaming. And yeah. that particular camera move, I have never, ever, ever seen again. To uh, to uh, to this day in that way. I and don't it, know if I've seen it, but it was definitely um, a super effective technique. So. Uh, was, go ahead. No. One of you can talk. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say, like, uh, I, I think that definitely there was some craft there because to be able to spin around that much without, you know, that, that takes some doing. Uh, well, they had to cut a hole in the roof of the car right. and put the camera down that right. way. So. But um, as a viewer, though, I could imagine seeing that in theaters and probably getting a sort of vertigo. Yeah, and that would be a little unpleasant in the theater. Even on the computer, it was a little disconcerting. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely effective. I thought it was. You know, I, I was actually watching this movie in bed, and I even I was like, oh, yeah, I feel dizzy. And I I think another scene that works pretty effective is uh, is when dude goes in to get to grab the gun, and, and Cujo just literally. Knocks uh, knocks down the screen do- uh, uh, door with that powerful, you know, uh, uh, cl- uh, claw, and uh, he just rips into the house and runs his ass down. You know, it, it, that uh, that particular scene uh, scene is the first uh, t- uh, t- uh, first scene that made me jump when I watched it the first time. So. It didn't take much to make me jump when I watched it the first time, but I, but I was six, so I can't really. Uh, <laughs> right. I think your experience kind of traumatized you just a little bit. Uh, now, you talk about effective scenes. The scene where the phone starts ringing and Kujo just goes berserk. Mm-hmm. And they have that first jump scare where he just jumps up on the window of the car. And that just... Uh, that even in my second watch through in a long time, uh, that actually even made me jump. Which <laughs> it, it takes a lot to get me to jump these days. 
I think I was more unsettled by when he climbs up on the hood and basically sits with his face, like, right in the windshield. I felt like that was... I don't know. That one creeped me out almost worse. And I think, I don't know if I jumped from the one in the, where he jump, jumps up on the window. I don't know if that jump scare actually was effective for me this watch or not. I think I kind of knew it was coming, but I forgot about where he climbs up on the hood. And that one was just, oh, that creeps me out. So did I'm snake... watching you. I'm watching you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's totally this... like stalking her. Uh, so did this St. Bernard pull off the role of Cujo. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, there's nothing before or after has ever been like it. You know, um, one, yeah. of, one of the things I thought was interesting is that uh, that the dog trainer that, uh, that was involved in the movie, um, he specifically sa uh, said, well, can't we have any other dog uh, uh, than a St. Bernard? Because they are untrainable. We don't have any trainable uh, St. Bernards. And, and this is ridiculous <laughs> considering they made how many Beethoven movies? <laughs> yeah, well, Beethoven, uh, Beethoven never attacked anyone and went rabbit. <laughs> That's something you should do back to back is just watch Cujo than Beethoven. <laughs> that would have been a way to traumatize a kid, you know. <laughs> they did have a hard time with getting the dogs to stop acting friendly. I mean, uh, they did a good job with the exception of one scene because the dogs would repeatedly wag their tails and they had to keep cutting it out. And they, they managed to get all of it but once. And that was the first time when the dog is getting ready to attack. The dog's actually wagging his tail. <laughs> <laughs> I did want to mention, I always found it amusing to see, because he's such an odd individual, and I, I have often found that I, I, I kind of enjoy what he has to say on things. But two notes about Stephen King himself. He says that one jump scare that we keep talking about is probably one of the most effective scares of any of his films. And he also said that he thought Dee Wallace's performance is the best in any adaptation of his books. And apparently that's including the Kathy Bates' Turn of Misery. And I'm like, hmm, that's pretty high praise, definitely. And he, he apparently liked this one a whole lot more than he did The Shining. <laughs> hey, so I guess I wasn't so far off in my praise of Dee Wallace in this role then. Well, no, she was good. It's just I didn't like the character. <laughs> Well, I guess. I don't know. I have I didn't put a lot of thought into whether or not I liked the characters enough. Um I don't I don't know that I got this watching it whether or not I got past the, the visceral impact where it's like I don't even need to like these characters, I just can understand the feeling of it. So it puts me it invests me in that way. Mm. Oh, that I would have to agree uh, because it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, that they were trying to get you to like any of the characters. In fact, I think they were trying to get you to hate uh, many of the characters, except for the father. I, I think he was very much put in a very positive li uh, light because he's he is the one who hasn't cheated. He's uh, just trying to uh, you know. Um, Send away for his family through business, and uh, yeah, okay, he might be a little bit, you know, further. Uh, uh, he might be away from home a lot of uh, times, but you know, he's uh, and he's, also isn't there, you know, in time to really save his wife or kid. Like, way to show up late, dude. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was part of the whole reason for the infidelity subplot was it gave him. A specific thing to latch on to for why he felt so something's going wrong, but it also distracted him from actually going to where he needed to go. Okay. And there were several times, and this was one of the things that frustrated me. He in particular, but also Do uh, Donna a little bit, there were multiple times where both of them, I was just like, no. No, do do this, do that, you know, like, like when she first goes out of the car and gets attacked for her efforts, I was like, oh man, you just, you better turn this around. 
when she finally had that, you talked about like the drive that she had to save her son, then she was a pretty badass character. But earlier on, it was like, no, this was a stupid move. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then, of course, like I said, Vic as well. But, you know, and then the sheriff, oh, man, his whole... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we already touched on that, but I was like, oh, man, you, you really, you're not going to call for that? Really? That's, no. <laughs> well, and I guess to be fair, if we put this into perspective, we're talking about a relatively small community. Yeah, like, people aren't taking this kind of stuff real seriously. It's not, you know, I think uh, the story really plays on that. If it's a small town where uh, where Billy Bob is uh, uh, like oh, six miles that uh, that way, and uh, uh, we don't have none of this uh, in this here town, uh, you know, uh, the sheriff can take care of this shit. Even after Vic comes home looking for his family and they're missing, and he's trying to get law enforcement to like take that seriously. And realizes that the sheriff never even called in with a report, and they don't seem alarmed about this at all. You know, it basically takes Vic to, like, figure shit out. (laughs) Nobody else is really taking it all that seriously. Um, And I don't, I don't know, they they say they find, we didn't talk about Steve, who is the guy that Donna has her affair with. Yeah, I mean, she really really fends him off, and he becomes (laughs) kind of psychotic, doesn't he? Well, he, like, tears their house apart, well, that's which is what after, leads Vic to believe that... That's way after he tries to rape her. Yeah, he's he's kind of a garbage character. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you almost kind of wish Kujo found him. But, well, what's yeah. interesting <laughs> is that they, they, were, uh, they supposedly showed them in the movie ha- uh, making love or having sex or whatever... Yeah, uh, that, that 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 actually did not happen in the book. They did have the affair. They just it, it just wasn't mentioned in the book. Well, if I recall correctly, I believe he that actor was actually married to the Wallace at the time, right? And yeah, so that was kind of been, that might have been part of that. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. the, the other decent character you could say we didn't really mention the mechanic's name is Joe Camber. And yeah, again, his, yeah, and he was, yeah, again, he was a bit of a jerk, but his, uh, his family wasn't bad, and again, they were out of town, but it's notable that his son, Brett, is, is actually Cujo's owner, and he actually had an encounter with the rabid dog, and, and, and Cujo walked away and just left him alone. Well, so it's supposed, yeah. that was a cool scene. Supposedly, yeah, that was a in, very cool scene. Supposedly in the book, uh, the chambers, the mother and the son, even though they went away, they were supposedly supposed to be coming back several times during the rest of the story, but that never happened in the movie. Well, I'm glad that um, it was brought up about that scene with the, the son and Cujo in the fog, because I think that's a great transition for us to talk about the special effects. Um, and that scene was actually filmed, from what I understand, using, like, a, a military-grade fog machine that they used to, like, hide ships on the ocean <laughs> during, like, war. So, I mean, that okay. scene was really cool. It looked really awesome. Yeah, so cool yep. that our department kept coming out to the place because they thought <laughs> <Yeah>. Um, and I also wanted to mention in when we're talking about special effects, like how cool the dog looked throughout the movie and how he gets grosser and grosser as he kills more people and becomes more dangerous and Aggressive. more of a threat. Um, yeah. He looks kind of like a zombie. Disgusting. There's just like stuff coming out of his eyes and he's got like infected with That matted fur. And, and I just have to say how appreciative I am of things like that in film um, versus like CGI which would just create that on a computer and be done like they had to figure out how to shoot that and how to make that dog look like that 
And I appreciate that so much. Well, I read that apparently the stuff they used, it was like egg whites and some stuff like that. The, uh-huh. uh, apparently the dogs enjoyed them so much they, they couldn't keep the dogs from licking them. Lick <laughs> yeah, I guess they also had to tie down their tails to keep their tails from like right. past And them. in order for it to, uh, for, uh, for the dogs to, uh, to attack the car, they had to throw food inside the car outside of the camera's angle too to, uh, to, uh, uh-huh. to make sure that they Jumped in, uh, jumped in, or, 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 or whatnot. So, well, one other cool thing that I liked. Um, I'm not expert on the symptoms of rabies, but from what I understand of it, I feel like they did a fair job of capturing it. Because you know, at first, Kujo was very lethargic, very sickly, was easily bothered by loud noises and then progressively became highly aggressive. And I, that's my understanding that that's how it actually works. So at least they they didn't kind of go completely off into left field or something crazy. Well, in a sense, rabies is, uh, is similar to a zombification, in a sense. Because a bit. It, it's, it's a virus, it's, it's, and it's contagious sometimes, for the most part. Uh, and well, it's, obviously, it's transferred by by bites, yeah. which is yeah. a lot of vampire reference. Right. Well, they say that they say that bats are one of the main carriers of rabies because they feed at all levels of the food chain, and especially uh, vampire bats because they because they drink blood. Sure. They're they're supposedly like a vampire bat is one of the surest ways to get rabies if you get bitten. Oh, well, nice. Makes sense. To Good me. to know. Um, I also did want to mention yeah. about, um, it, you know, speaking about the makeup, how I paid attention to um, Donna and Tad in the car, and as time goes on and it gets hotter and they get more dehydrated, and they really did a great job transforming their look. You know, they, and from what I understand, the movie was shot not even in warm weather; it was shot in the cold. So. They wow. really did a great job of creating yes. this unbearably hot, you know, environment and these dehydrated people that, you know, the sunken in eyes and yeah, they looked um, pretty shitty by the end. So, oh yeah, work. I I agree. I mean, uh, the, uh, the from the start uh, start to f- uh, finish uh, finish with uh, especially the ki- uh, 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 kid when he started convulsing and his eyes just rolled back. That uh, that made me cringe because that actually looked real, you know. It, it oh, yeah, actually looked that. like he was being dehydrated, like they had thrown that kid in there. He was having a seizure, and he was having a seizure. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. the makeup for the actual wounds, the attacks, and all that stuff. I thought that was pretty effective. Yeah, all of it was really well done, in my opinion. Um, and I agree too that the the seizure looked. Very convincing. I've never had a child have a seizure on me, but um, I can imagine. Yeah, it was just very, all of that was very visceral, and that whole. Uh, there was an older man who would have seizures. It's done so well. And again, a nod to that, the um, And the way that things were edited, and the way they, um, the sh- they shot the scenes with the dog, and the way they cut that and edited that together was so effective. Hmm. Well, if nobody else has anything to say, um, trying everyone. to think here. I have a, I have a list of notes. <laughs> while, while we're thinking, uh, I don't know if anyone's touched on the music, but I, it was effective. But I did like how the movie started off with this real upbeat kind of. <laughs> it just sounded like, well, this is. Is this the movie I thought I was watching? Uh, <laughs> Bernstein d- does the score for this one, and he also did the score for Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. If any, if anybody's familiar, so pretty versatile. I mean, I don't. This score didn't stand out a whole hell of a lot to me, but I thought it was effective for what it needed to do. I thought it was effective. It wasn't very well noticeable to me. Uh, it wasn't what I was paying attention to. It was uh, like kind of forgettable. 
if you know I what I mean. I feel like it, it was in service of the film. It was right there. Probably not something I would listen to, with, you know, on its own. No, right. it, it, it's definitely not Lord of the Rings capability. Did we, are we about to do favorite scene? Yeah. Throw me your favorite out there, Dustin. Uh, okay, I kind of have two. So the first is the mist scene that we touched on, where there was a lot of really like strong tension, and like that that was great. Like I I really enjoyed that. And my other like it's more of a moment than a scene. Um, after after they first arrive at the at the at the farm and they see what's happening with Kujo, and they they sit and wait for a while to see if like the car will still st- will start anyway. Sure. And she's able to get it started and like start to drive away, and then she like stops to be like "fuck you, dog," fuck and then it immediately dog. breaks. It imme- immediately breaks down the moment she stops. Like she takes her foot uh, off the pedal, and it's like he just had to gloat. Just... Yeah. I I really did not like her character. I wanted her to her to die. <laughs> uh, I felt so bad when that happened. Like "fuck you, dog." Like yeah, I would have said the same thing, and then oh shit. <laughs> Let's Just stop kidding. moving. <laughs> Let's hang out more. Yeah, <laughs> that was a tough one. I-, I had a hard time picking a favorite scene. I I too liked the scene with the fog. I thought it was just really cool, very very neatly shot, and just the interaction between the boy and the dog. He's like, "It's me," you know, and and the dog's just like, "Nope, bye," and he just walks away like that. That tension that was built there, like I thought that kid was gonna die, you know. I have to say my favorite scene was the, that camera spinning effect um, that, 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 that even though the, the kid's scream was kind of annoying, um, I still, uh, uh, to, uh, to this day, that particular scene just, uh, you know? It's a very cool camera effect, for sure. I, I like the uh, phone scene with the dog actually attacking the car at that point. <laughs> oh, yeah, when the phone is ringing. Yeah, that was super intense, too. There's the sound, like, sets the dog off. It just goes nuts. Right. Yeah. Well, at that point in t- uh, time, it's so ra- rabbit, it doesn't realize what the f- uh, fuck is, is making that noise, so it just attacks. <laughs> yeah. As a kid, that was my least favorite scene, but... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Jake, did you have a favorite? I'm I'm not sure a clear favorite, but maybe the scene with the fog might might stand as, as one of the better ones. Yeah. Yeah, I would have to agree with that. Did anybody take any notes on anything additional? Um, we kind of talked about the extra stuff that I knew about already, kind of as we were discussing the film as a whole. Um, I'm looking at my notes, and I think. Well, let's see here. So, I have notes on the pacing, which, um, again, I just, I really expected more from the guy who did Alligator. Uh, like, the first half of the movie is just, like, this family melodrama, and it's like, okay, it's, it's good drama, but, like, why do I care? Like, and I have a note about, like, just how unlikable and icy the wife is. Um, it's like, sure. whenever you see her in, like, the first half of this movie, she's, like you know, being grouchy or, like, upset about something. Or, right? Um, so you, you I don't think, really see her... kind of painted in a way to... You don't really see her be... To show us that she's not... What? Well, and I think what that's doing is painting the picture for us that she's not happy in her situation. Oh, I, I assume so. I mean, it's... I don't. I don't know. Uh, let's see. At least that's kind of the way that the way it worked for me. Couple oh. quick notes about about Dee Wallace. Um, Katie, you, you kind of touched on this earlier, but she apparently has said that she's often been praised by parents uh, for the way that she behaved in 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 the car scenes. She said that they, that was something the only parents could ID with. So that I thought that was kind of interesting, and this I found very amusing because it's a film about a rabid dog. So you might think the characters would be traumatized about dogs, 
But instead, I've got this one little tidbit that says, after the film, Dee Wallace went on record saying she hoped she'd never see another Pinto in her life. <laughs> she probably spent way too much time in the Pinto. Right. <laughs> um, oh, one thing we did not talk about when we were discussing the plot was kind of the tie-in between... Um, the, the little boy Tad's fear of, you know, the monster in his closet that sort of comes to life in Cujo um, and in right. their interactions and how they I think his, that. His father said at one point, didn't he, that there are no monsters in the daytime? So, he got yeah. proven wrong. Well, Alright, anyway. so... Uh, my other note, my other note is that the audio commentary is actually really boring, which was again like <laughs> another disappointment. I did not listen to the audio commentary on this. All part. right, good So these were some of the mixed critics' reactions at the time. Janet Maslin of the New York Times wrote the film was by no means a horror classic, but it's suspenseful <laughs> and scary. Variety at the time panned it as a dull, uneventual entry in the horror genre. A film virtual devoid of surprises or any original suspense. Gene Frisco oh. of the Chicago Tribune gave the film a one star out of four, calling it one of the dumbest, filmsiest excuse for a movie I have ever seen. <laughs> Jesus, they watched the Roger instead. Goddamn. Roger Ebert called it dreadful. Uh, Linda Gross of the Los Angeles Times wrote that no theater is air conditioned enough to justify watching this scary, gory, and beastly movie. Okay. Oh, people are harsh on that. Steve um, Jenkins of the Monthly Film Bulletin wrote that, for the most part, Cujo works very effectively as a near reductio ad absurdum of the woman in peril mode, but disliked that the film changed the ending from the book, thinking it made absolutely no sense of, of the term of the film's logic. And Author and film critic Leonard Mountain gave the film three out of five possible four stars, calling it genuinely frightening. Also, writing builds slowly but surely to uh, surely to its terrifying but not gory climax. So, uh, and Stephen King called the film terrific and named it one of his favorite adaptations. So. Well, I wonder why he freaking wrote he wrote the adaptation too. <laughs> Since he couldn't remember writing the book, he probably was pleasantly surprised by things that happened. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. What we do yeah. is the real name of the movie: Old Yellow Two, Yellow's Vengeance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was gonna say Electric Boogaloo, but <laughs> well, does anybody have any final thoughts before we wrap up? Uh, no, I don't think so. I feel like we we covered all the high. I mean, overall, it's a pretty good movie, despite my like personal distaste for it. Um, I think it's just I went in with very yeah, very no, high expectations. I, yeah, it's a, it's one I've always been drawn to, and I'm always very appreciative for the fresh eyes on it this time around. So. Um, Let's go ahead and just close out and tell everybody where we're from and what we do. Um, I'll have you start, uh, Dustin. Well, uh, I live here in Milwaukee and I collect anything related to horror. Uh, you can find me terrorizing Twitter at The Crypt of Horrors, which is also the name of my YouTube channel, where I show off my collection uh, from time to time. Um, mostly just like pickup videos and other content coming whenever. I also have an Instagram for my horror collection, uh, DHR Hunter. That uh, you know, give me more followers so I have an excuse to update it. Because laziness. Um, and I think that's more or less it for today. You, Brandon, tell us about you. Well, uh, I am. Uh, I run a channel uh, called Septum Sin versus the World. Uh, we are a channel dedicated to physical media and, of course, the love of physical media. 
We do film release uh, videos where we talk about what's new to DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, we do pickup videos showing what we've managed to gather during the week. We do various reviews, uh, my short form reviews, uh, and uh, uh, Kotobuki Jake's longer form but more detailed reviews. And uh, we like to do various top 10 and top 15 lists with our recent one being out, which detailed our top 10 anime series, which is a, a fun list and uh, definitely worth checking out. Cool, cool. How about you, Jake? All right, I'm Cody Boogie Jake. I frequently guest on Septim Sin vs. the World. And as he said, the anime list is, was a long time coming and is very cool, and we had fun with it. And it's a little long, but we had fun with it. And um, it's I've also got a uh, new update to my own channel. I have a... Uh, my own channel, Kotobuki Jake, is dedicated more to nature and the natural world. And I took advantage of a very lovely day last week to actually do a yard tour where I went around looking at all the plants in the garden. So that should be fun for people who have more of a, a that sort of bent. But also not to be undone, uh, left behind is a uh, film uh, buff and critic and all that such. I just remembered something really funny and weird as we went into this discussion, uh, The our, our, our outro here. Kujo's 1983, it just happened by happenstance that I finally watched one of the best picture winners from the same year. So there's a slight difference between this film and The Big Chill. But I just found it very amusing that they both ended up being watched for the first time within a few days of each other. Totally by accident. But, <laughs> but that's all I have for this week. It all comes back around. That makes me think, um, just, uh, oh. That makes me think of a real quick thing. Like, Louis Teague says that he thinks this is his best movie. And I just want to say, really? <laughs> yes, we know. Alligator. <laughs> uh, well, I'll go ahead and tell you guys about me, and then Dave can close us out. Uh, as always, I'm Katie Cadaver from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I'm a body-positive core artist, alternative model, and makeup artist. And you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Patreon, Twitter, uh, um, just look up Katie Cadaver, Cadaver with a K. Um, and I do makeup for the horror punk band Ratbat Spider, and you can find them at ratbatspider.bandcamp.com, or you can come and see them uh, May 3rd at the Bremen Cafe in Milwaukee, or May 4th at Stinko de Mayo in Wadsworth, Illinois. You can find all the information for that on their Bandcamp page, or their Facebook page, or their Instagram page, or their Twitter, or all those things. I'm also a dead girl for Deadgirls Dark Coffin Classics Horror TV Show. I perform and produce for Grindhouse Teases Burlesque Productions, and I'm also a Tromet for Troma Entertainment, and you can find all that stuff on Facebook and uh, Troma at Troma.com, and if you would like to check out what I do with Grindhouse Teas, we are putting on the Grindhouse Teas Art and Oddities Fair on June 1st at the Walker's Point Music Hall in Walker's Point in Milwaukee. We're going to have music, live music, burlesque and variety shows and artist vendors. So come out and see us on June 1st. Um, and Dave, why don't you close us out? And my name is David Stregge. I uh, I was originally the only horror, uh, uh, only host here on Inside Movies Galore, but now it is hosted by all of us, which I think it is much better for that. And uh, um, I am a producer as well as a, a, a film reviewer. Uh, where I go on this chan uh, uh, channel, uh, actually a different channel now called Delusions of Grandeur, uh, where I go on about different fi uh, uh, films, but lately I've just been kicking back and uh, figuring out how many movies I actually have. But three movies that uh, one of them uh, has just come out is a uh, mix of all the greatest kills in the Camp Blood series called Camp Blood Kills, which features Brandon and myself on, uh, on, the, uh, on the back cover, I believe. <laughs> uh, and uh, I believe that I will be on the Camp Blood 9 as well. Um, and uh, 
I'm working uh, with a, another director on something called the Surreal Project. And uh, I'm also working, uh, going to be working with Brad Twig again of Wrestle Massacre um, with uh, Death Board coming up. So stay tuned for those. In any case, uh, next week uh, we have the fantastic Mr. Fox coming up. So stay t uh, tuned for furry tailed creatures. <laughs> uh, in any case, Everyone say good night. Good night. And let your subscribe. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job, Kermit. Thank you. Nice job,